Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. You're listening to the Purpose Made Podcast. We are here to inspire positive change in our post-pandemic global society. Talking to business leaders around the globe, discussing the highs, lows and challenges they've experienced. Our hosts, Neil Bestford and Peter Bell, created Purpose Made in 2021 during the height of the pandemic, combining their passion for people, culture and transformational change. They sit down with business leaders and ask, what does the future look like? Don't forget to click subscribe to hear all the latest news and views on our changed global society. Yeah, so welcome Joe Feely from Trend Bible. Thank you very much. Yeah, so I mean, Joe, do you want to give us a quick heads up of who, of who you are and what you do and, and what Trend Bible is? Yes, can do. So my name is Joe Feely and I am founder and managing director of Trend Bible. So at Trend Bible, we forecast future lifestyle trends for any company really that wants to know what their audience will be doing in two to five years time. So our trends help them make better decisions, really make more informed decisions on the products and services that they're producing over the next couple of years. And to give you sort of a bit of background to me outside of running Trend Bible, I like to be busy. I've always got loads of things on the go. I sit on a couple of boards. I sit on two boards actually for the Baltic Centre for Contemporary Art. So I'm chair of the trading board there. And I also sit on the trustees board and I'm also on the board for anyone. So I'm kind of very deeply steeped in all things arts, culture, northeast, really. That's my real passion is getting involved in anything that helps us develop arts and culture within the northeast and the Newcastle region. Outside of that, I've got sort of home life, married to a chef with two little kids and a dog at home. So that all requires a little bit of balancing as well to try and strike this ultimate goal of of work-life balance. So that's constantly on my agenda and 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 drives an awful lot of my time at work as well just trying to figure out from a culture perspective of how can I how can I make better choices about how I spend my time and how can I afford that luxury to the people that work for me as well yeah you mentioned there about kind of looking at the future and looking at you know what the trends might be in like two to five years and obviously kind of the last 12 months has probably I suspect had a bit of an impact on that maybe but maybe it might be worth just kind of trying to to run through the last 12 months and kind of what what has that meant for the I suppose trend forecasting and maybe it's for you as a business but obviously kind of when you're informing other companies about looking at trends for forecasting like particularly in the retail sector or fashion or whatever it might be obviously 
that's going to be, I'm assuming, quite tricky for the future. Yeah, I mean, there's sort of two sides to the pandemic for my business, really. And, and for me, one was that it was completely horrific. And I would never want to live through running a business through the start of a pandemic ever again, because there was so much unknown and it just caused so much stress. And um, it was very, very disruptive. And then the flip side to that as a trend forecaster has been that sort of notwithstanding the fact that obviously it's been a massive tragedy for so many people, but as a trend forecaster, it's been a fascinating time to observe rapid change and to see change happen across different continents in different countries across different consumer groups and age groups and effectively kind of the same type of things have happened to everybody broadly speaking but that different groups have responded so differently to that change has been completely fascinating and I've been sort of saying to my junior team members you know take note of this because it's unlikely that you're ever going to get something quite as dramatic as this in your career when you're you're advising global brands and global corporations on how they might produce products and services in two years time to do that in the midst of a pandemic is deeply challenging and it's been a really good way for us to test out things like our methodologies which have obviously only ever been tested in non-pandemic times just to check whether they've stood up and to make any sort of tweaks to the way that we forecast trends but ultimately it's just that rapid pace of change that's been so dramatic really and what we noticed sort of trend wise was that a lot of these trends actually were there was evidence of them before the pandemic so things like the work from home shift that was already set to increase it's just increased much more dramatically than than it would ever have done without a pandemic to encourage us to work from home and there's no sort of escape in the fact that people wanted more flexibility between their work life and their home life that was already there as well we were already getting all of those messages about the ways that people wanted to live. It's just it wasn't well facilitated. We we weren't kind of in a position where we could ask companies to live in the way that we wanted to live as, as employees. And we couldn't ask retailers to give us goods in a certain way because we just didn't have that power. And of course, the pandemic has has enabled customers to live more fully the lives that maybe they, they wanted in the first place. Yeah, because we spoke a few weeks back about even internally within Trend Bible in terms of some of the initiatives that you've try to adopt and try to kind of implement historically that you didn't feel that your employees were quite ready for or they were telling you that they weren't ready for it and I don't know if you want to explain that and how, how that manifested and how that's come to, to fruition sure. yeah I mean well I'm always sort of reading I'm always trying to think about culture thinking about how what the future of work looks like as a person that runs a small business we've got a global client base we've got a global team really as well we have trend scouts all over the world but our bread and butter trend forecasting team has always been based bums on seats in our office in the Usbane in Newcastle and that was always part of the strategy and part of our challenge was to hire excellent trend forecasting talent to our office in Newcastle, which is where we required them to work. And I used to always joke and say that once we've persuaded people to come and work for Trend Viable, you know, once we've attracted that talent, we've got a second job to do, which is the job of the tourist board, which is to attract them to come and live in Newcastle. And we've had people move from San Francisco and Austria and London and even Sunderland. I mean, we've had just, you know, people from all over the place relocate and move to Newcastle. But that is no longer something that we we have to ask of people. We, we've actually recently just hired two full-time 
people who are going to be they're both London based. So we we no longer have that requirement of people. They can work from anywhere they want. And the the fear I think from from my team when I mentioned this idea of flexible working, working more with freelancers back in 2019, the fear was, you know, how would we manage somebody remotely or how might we be managed by a manager that isn't going to see us every day? They were legitimate concerns in a pre-pandemic world. But of course, lo and behold, our world got disruptive and we've been forced to adopt this change and it's actually gone really well for us of course we've had to change how we do things we were able to switch from you know office-based working to working at home really quickly and really efficiently and well and we have then had to work really hard on things like how do we make people feel valued when they're not in the office how do we enable people to get their job done without having to ask four different layers of experience how to get something done or whether it's okay to make a decision on something so we have had to work really hard on things like autonomy and we've switched to a sort of outcomes based model as well so instead of kind of being tethered to timesheets, we still do timesheets for an agency. We sort of build by the hour. But in the meantime, we're focused on these are the outcomes that we are driving as a business. This is what you are charged with as an individual. This is your outcome. Go in, come back when you've completed that outcome. And we've had to work like that because obviously you're not in the same room as people. You can't see what they're producing. And similarly, people who maybe wouldn't have asked for help have found it really challenging to look at someone else's calendar and think, oh, they look really busy. I don't really want to interrupt them, but I'm stuck. Have you know? We've kind of learned the hard way with some of those elements where if you're stuck for too long, there's going to be no time in your project to make good quality changes and that the consequences of that are much worse than just picking up the phone and saying, can you give me a little bit of your time to help me craft a better output and a better solution? You mentioned there about time management and the flexibility and kind of focusing on outcomes. And we spoke about kind of the strategy side of stuff and you kind of taking time to kind of work on the business. You know, you're you're in the business and you're working day to day on the kind of the operational side of stuff, but actually stepping out and looking at the strategic side of things. And has that been increased? Like what's been the manifestation of that time that you've taken out of the business to reflect and infrastructurally, how's that affected the business? Yeah, I mean, pre-pandemic, I really had done quite a good job of understanding what I was there to do as founder and managing director and what I was not there to do. And I'd managed to delegate anything that other people could do. So I was in quite I was in a really good position. It had taken years of really deeply understanding the the bits of the role that only I can do. What are the things that only I can deliver to the business and making sure that anything else outside of that just wasn't in my job spec. And that got me to the stage where I was working a four-day week, which I've gladly got back now. I was not only working a four-day week in the past 12 months. I can tell you it's more like seven days a week, morning and night. And so I was working a four-day week. I had the whole of the summer off. I had six weeks of holiday in 2019. So I'd, I'd got myself to a really good position where I understood what I was there for and the team knew what to elevate to me, what I could spend my time on. And I've been very clear, I think, over the past couple of years about what I am there to do and the fact that if I am not giving myself the time to think strategically about the direction of the business, the future of the business, how we might evolve, how we might become more agile, how we're more responsive, how we cater better to customers' needs, then there's not really anybody else there that is is paid to do that. That is my job. And so therefore, to do anything that is too operational isn't a good use of my time and it doesn't set us up well as a 
a forward-thinking, future-proofed business if I'm not spending my time in the right way. Now, of course, the waters got well and truly muddied on that last year. And I was doing all sorts of jobs that I haven't done probably in a decade. I just did whatever it took. We had so many team members furloughed and I had to pick up an awful lot of work that just would not normally be in my remit. And actually, I'm surprised at how difficult I've found it to let that go again as we move out of the pandemic. I've sort of got kind of into this mindset of just, you know, really sort of high energy, but probably just a little bit of leftover panic energy from last year. As I hit 2021, it was quite a nice milestone to start to think about, right, I think we're over the worst. We're out of crisis mode. We're not looking at cash flow on a weekly basis or a a twice weekly basis. We've got a bit more sort of elbow room in how we spend our time. And so I started the year with a little bit of coaching with an external coach. I did like a six week coaching program just to help me ease myself back into this mindset of, you know, I am managing director. I have certain roles and responsibilities. I should only be doing that. And it's taken me probably about three months to really apply all of the thinking from that. And absolutely now I'm, I'm back on track. I've got my summer booked off again. I've got all the kids' holidays in my diary. I'm, I'm off for all of the important dates that I, I want to be around for, which is great. So I'm starting to get see that, that balance come back a little bit. But it's also given me a different perspective. I've been able to lift the bonnet on things that, you know, would I really have deeply understood how we produce a product or why we produce a product had I not had the last, last 12 months of being very, very hands-on with regards to delivery and, and crafting client work. And that's that's very useful. It's I, I will keep a little bit of that. What I'll try and do from now on is spend my time very strategically looking at different areas of the business, lifting the bonnet on certain projects or certain divisions or departments, and really trying to see if I can find any other growth opportunities in there, because that's what I've discovered is just a ton of potential. And I know now my job is to identify those sort of um, future growth opportunities, really. It feels like quite an exciting time after all of the the drama of the last 12 months, really. It certainly sounds that way. And I think I'm really keen to understand kind of what does that mean for the rest of the team then? Because obviously we're talking about you and about you lifting up the bonnet and taking that step back and looking at kind of that self-reflective piece in terms of taking some coaching and that six-week kind of coaching process and then taking those methodologies and applying them to business. What's the impact of that then on the on the rest of the business and the rest of the team? Well, I am a firm believer in leading by example. And I think, as I said earlier, I want to afford the the freedom of choice that I have as a business owner to the rest of my team. And that's really my sort of people and culture focus for the next 12 to 24 months. Like how might we afford even more flexibility and freedom to our team? Because you know, it's a different world. It's a completely different world. I don't need people sat at their desk from nine till five. And we had a flexi working policy in place pre-pandemic. But I kind of laugh when I read that now because it says, oh, you know, you've got to do your hours in a certain length of time. And then you can only take your flexi time back after like lunchtime on a Friday. And we've just ripped all of that up, obviously. And I think we can afford people's people more freedom and more flexibility. We ask our team all the time about how do you want to work? What do you want life to be like? I've had somebody already ask me, you know, would it be possible if if it was possible for me to move to Bali and work from Bali? Would that be okay? I'm like, yes. Why would that not why would that not be okay? If it's okay to sit on a screen in Gateshead, it's fine to sit on a screen in Bali if that's part of your plan. So I want to be able to afford those freedoms to the rest of the team. I don't really see any reason why they shouldn't have that as well. And part of my agenda for doing that is absolutely to retain talent. I think if we don't provide that flexibility and 
other market leaders, especially in our industry and trend forecasting, it's, it is a sort of very dynamic, competitive market. There are not loads of trend forecasters kicking around. So there's a sort of limited talent pool. And part of my agenda has got to be how do we offer up employment opportunities for the best trend forecasters in the industry and allow them to work in a way that's more attractive than, than any of our competitors. So I think that flexibility is coming. I think people want it and need it. The reading I'm doing at the minute is all around four-day working week, unlimited allowances for holidays, that kind of freedom, like genuine freedom for those things. I know it's it can be tempting, especially when you have a creative job that you love, which you know I'm sure most of my team would say that that's what drives them to not take their holidays. They they are perfectionists and they love their jobs. However, there is more to life, and I think that is one lesson that we've all learned in the pandemic. We can spend that time differently, and we should, definitely should spend it wisely. It's really difficult to afford autonomy inside a business, especially when you are all working from home. It can be really easy to stack your diary up full of Zoom meetings where you're all kind of arriving at a decision by consensus rather than just making a decision on your own. I found that one of the most difficult things for the team to do in the last 12 months. And it just results in a load of Zoom calls. Nobody wants more uh, sort of Zoom call meetings. So that that's really difficult to do. But that's one of the things that I'm working on is how do we drive that autonomy and that permissions culture? Like I've heard people sort of say, oh, I didn't know that I was allowed to do that. I'm like, yeah, you're, I want, that's the type of thinking I want you to do. I want you to have permission to make changes and improve things and do things better and have that sort of entrepreneurial spirit to, to work is what I'm now looking for in people. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. Plush care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's interesting to talk there about that kind of entrepreneurialism and that autonomy and decision-making and, again, that move away from kind of time-based restrictions and time-based kind of management to that 
outcomes. So as long as the objectives are clear and, and, you know, any individual can then take those and do them, you know, really at whatever time they works for them, I suppose. And then you've talked about kind of, you know, potentially working in Bali or Berlin or Amsterdam or wherever, Sunderland. How would you look to then manage that culture and that business approach and the behaviours that you, you look for? And, and how would you manage that in kind of a more remote environment? How does that look in a kind of more disparate, kind of far-reaching working environment? I think there is a one-way answer to that, and that's trust. (laughs) It is, it's just, if there is one thing I have learned, it is that if you can get as good as you possibly can on recruitment, and you can identify in the recruitment stage whether you trust somebody or not, and I mean trust somebody with the most important decisions in the business, even if they're very junior, you need to be able to look them in the eyes and ask yourself, would I trust this person with really critical decision-making in my business? And if it's no, then you just can't hire them. You can't have any doubts. So I think hiring and recruiting is under greater scrutiny for us than it's ever been. And trust is what I am looking for. That's the single most important thing when we are bringing people into the business now. And it, of course, exists with the existing staff that I've got. You just cannot be in a position where you are wondering what somebody's doing with their time. You're wondering whether they're being honest with you about how far through a project they've got or where they're up to or where they've spent their time. I think that's probably one of the most important things. The other thing that I would say is important for us, always has been actually for at least five or six years, is our values as a business. We crafted the values together, which we've got some existing team members that have been with me for sort of 10, 12 years. We've got some some long-standing staff members. So some of them were actually in that group that helped us develop our values as a business. And it was really funny because I'd actually done a workshop at some point in the early days of the business and read somewhere that you needed to have values. And I'd written them out and stuck them on a piece of paper and and did what every good boss does and stick them in the bottom drawer and forget about them forevermore and think that they're just for you and for nobody else. And what we did was a, a big sort of piece of work around let's look at our values how what do we want those values to be as a business everybody contributed and we came up with these five values and when I took that piece of paper out of my bottom drawer I found it eventually I was looking for something else and I thought that's so funny because it completely aligned with what I had originally thought the values of the business should be so the values I will admit they are definitely under scrutiny now because we must assume that there might be tweaks to them having just lived through a pandemic and having shifted the way that we deliver our services and the sort of the how the the you know how we've turned up to work the the place that we work so everything's changed we have to assume that it would be worth scrutinizing our values but in honesty that's what's got us through the past 12 months we we have a big focus on values every month we nominate a staff member based on their contribution to the values and their expression of the values. So how have they lived the values? And in the old days, this would be like a post-it wall in the office. We have a big cork board. You would just, every time you saw somebody living their values, you would stick it on a post-it and you would stick it under the values. So if it was delivering a wow or owning it, which are two of our values, then you would just note instances where those values cropped up. And then the person that had received the most nominations over the course of the month received a little kind of bottle of wine or just something to recognise their contribution, really. 
And that worked really, really well for us. So we've obviously had to sort of transport this into the digital world over the past 12 months. And we've had to bring in new ways to communicate. So we've had a, a company WhatsApp feed that we've never needed before. We've got Slack channels, new ways to communicate in a very sort of rapid fire way. And so we've helped keep the culture alive through some of those communications. Like I can't credit them enough for how we've got through the last 12 months from a culture perspective. It's just been phenomenal considering we're not in the same room together. Everybody has worked so hard to make sure that it's still feels like the kind of place everybody wants to show up even though you're showing up at your own kitchen table every single day everybody still feels connected it's just been completely brilliant and I do put that down to to being deeply invested in the company values and I know a lot of people sort of say oh company values like it's just words well you can't let it be words you've got to live by them you've got to demonstrate your belief in them and when the whole company does that it can be extremely powerful so we've talked there about the kind of the internal culture. One of the things that we've been that Peter and I have been looking at from our perspective as in purpose made in our business and is focusing internally and looking at our values similar to you and looking at kind of what they might look like and, and what drives us and what are our key passions and what do we want to, to do with the business. But what we've also had a look at, and I'm keen to kind of explore this with you, is around externally, obviously there's been a lot of work and activism around social injustice and humanitarian work. And I think the pandemic's really put a focus on that and it put it like shone, shone a light on that over the last 12 months. And I think, you know, a lot more sustainability, kind of ethical practice, looking at community. And has the last 12 months kind of shifted your mindset in terms of how you work externally within your networks and environment? Well, yeah, I mean, in in so many, it's impacted us in so many ways. I would say one of the things is we we've got a global client base, and we have a, a global network of trend scouts as well, sort of sending us information from each of the territories that they are in. So we get to have a very sort of diverse lens on the way that the world is at the moment, and that's really come into its own over the the past. I would say it is longer than 12 months, even though some of the big events that have propelled some of the arguments around diversity have happened in the last 12 months. These were things that, that our customers and our clients who are global brands were already interested in pre-pandemic. They were already asking us to forecast the future of diversity and equality and think about how they might move from a sort of topic-based or sort of marketing-based approach into something a little bit more meaningful. So that, that was already happening. It has been accelerated we feel deep commitment to that in our in our business. And I think sort of looking back, if you look at the sort of Black Lives Matter sort of acceleration that happened in 2020, specifically when everybody kind of, I remember that day of everyone posting that, that black square on their Instagram page and just really sort of feeling the power and the energy behind that movement that had just really started to accelerate at that point. At that point, it made me and it definitely made my team because I got messages from so many of my team saying, what else might we do? How else might we show up? What does allyship mean for us? What are our inclusivity and diversity policies? Because actually, they've never really asked us that before. They've just been recruited by us and brought into the business. But suddenly people were asking me, are we a fair employer? What is our process? How might we make sure that we um, help people from underprivileged backgrounds come and work in a career that is, is trend forecasting that generally requires you to have got to the position in life where you've done A-levels and got a degree and have got some experience, usually through an unpaid work placement. So we were well aware that there's a sort of a, a privileged aspect or angle on the career that we that we love as trend forecasters. And I'm really passionate about being able to open that opportunity up more broadly to other people. 
And one of the things that I do to do that is I take school children, usually about 15, 16 years of age, around different businesses in the Usburn. It's actually a walking tour. So anywhere we can get to on foot. And we take students from all sorts of different schools in Newcastle. Obviously, we're struggling to do this and we've turned it into a, a digital Zoom call. Surprise, surprise, during the pandemic. But actually, my focus is to make sure that anybody that wants to work in the creative fields, that, that happens to go to school in the northeast knows what opportunities are here on the doorstep because so many people don't you know would somebody going to school in the the west end of newcastle know that trend forecasting is a legitimate career choice for them in newcastle in the oosburn probably not their their careers advisors aren't switched on to it their teachers don't know about it we are working in industry not in education so there's just not that crossover there so i take that responsibility as a business owner as a creative as a northeast person advocate i take that really seriously and for me anything we can do to synthesize that relationship between schools and the creative community that exists is super important and we've had some brilliant brilliant examples of that we've supported things like a sort of creative program for schools and and we've gone in and delivered talks and seminars to some of the students that have ended up coming to do internships with us and then have gone on to work in trend forecasting so we've had some fabulous stories and case studies to lean on for that but even the way that we put trends out into the world matters you know we use imagery all of the time in our trend forecasting so if we are forecasting trends for a toy brand for example we have policies in place that say that of the imagery that we put in front of the client we have to make sure that there is a diverse range of skin colors represented in that imagery we make sure that we are not kind of derivative in any way of, of culture We've got all sorts of processes in place to make sure that everything we put out into the world, you know, if we're advising global brands on what they should be doing, it's super important that we are paying attention as a business to what we give to them, because that is the material with which they decide what the future generation's pencil case looks like or lunchbox looks like. And and if that tells them that pink equals princess and that's all there is to being a girl, then that's on us to make sure that that type of narrowing of the view of what a child can be you know that's got to be in future trends because it impacts the way that future generations engage with the products we put in and around them and the messages that we send those children so sometimes you can think that trend forecasting is is quite surface it might sometimes be literally about putting something onto a lunchbox that sits in a supermarket but we take that so seriously you would not believe (laughs) so I'm interested to to hear your views about, you know, you've talked about being a kind of Northeast, you know, advocate and ambassador for the Northeast. And that's where you and I completely align because, you know, we're, I think we're both very passionate about, about the region and about, you know, really getting back to, well, even better than we were pre-pandemic and really using the kind of pandemic as a, a vehicle to drive really positive change in the region. I think in years gone by, we've kind of, in the creative sector and the cultural sector, kind of lost that synergy of kind of people working together, the collaboration. And I think from what I'm seeing, there seems to be a lot more drive towards that, right? All businesses supporting each other, you know, whether it be Tyneside Cinema or Northern Stage or Baltic or Live Theatre or the amazing creative businesses down the Usburn, the Usburn Trust. And so, in your capacity as kind of board members at the Baltic, what, what's the future looking like or what initiatives are they starting to explore in terms of the cultural future, I suppose, for the region? Is there anything, any insight you can share on that? Yeah, absolutely. I think probably specifically at, at Baltic, there's there's been for quite a long time this desire to 
to be more inclusive and to serve the immediate community of, of Gateshead and Newcastle, really. And even though it is a contemporary art gallery with a, a global reputation, it is an incredible resource for us to have. We have to make sure that it is there for everybody. So I would say that's one of the things that, again, has been accelerated. I don't know if it's really accelerated as a result of the pandemic. It's accelerated as a result of the broader conversation around inclusivity that's been going on you know for for a long time now really but I think that's where Baltic really does come into its own because they have such a good understanding of who the audience is not just who the art lovers are because it's always easy to get art lovers to go to an art gallery but how do you get kind of middle school kids in Gateshead to go to an art gallery like that's the kind of thinking that is starting to happen or, or has been happening at the Baltic that is just so inspiring it's such an inspiring energy and I think it's just it's just going to be a massive beacon really for, for the region because I think that some of that thinking was happening at the Baltic before it's been happening in the broader art world so that's very exciting from an any one perspective you know some of the challenge there is around serving brands and retailers within that any one postcode who've had a horrific 12 months and trying to ensure that we've got an environment that people can go and spend time in that any one postcode right in the city centre without all of that experience having to hinge on on shopping and on consumption to make sure that you would go there even if you didn't need to buy anything like what would actually draw you in from a leisure perspective to spend time in that city and we're seeing so many interesting things happening in other cities I know there's kind of some green green city initiatives coming through there's like mini forests being planted in cities around the UK and just trying to really rethink what is a city centre what does a, a high street look like now if it's not completely dominated by the shopping experience and I'm really passionate about that we've been seeing it as, as a trend agency for a long time this shift away from sort of hyper consumerism into a more thoughtful existence and you know 20 odd years ago when I started my career in forecasting it was all about the leisure pursuit on a weekend for most people was shopping it was buying things consuming more and I worked as head of trends at Tesco for a, a few years before I set up on my own and I remember having conversations there about, you know, producing a, a £2 or a £3 T-shirt. And the idea was to try and encourage customers to buy five or six or seven T-shirts in different colours. And it was always about stimulating that high demand for cheap goods. Well, those conversations are not conversations that we have with brands now. As I've said, it's all about how can we be more inclusive? How can we improve our sort of diversity of offer? And it's a much more rewarding experience I think it makes our job much more enjoyable and you know I do remember times in, in my early career thinking oh I think I, I think my job is part of this kind of ugly machine of consumerism and I could never really quite make peace with that but over the past five or six years the way that the industry has shifted has meant that the type of work that we are doing as an agency is so much more fulfilling and it feels like we're putting good back out into the world not just more stuff for landfill it used to always like really be quite a depressing thought so on that like what is the what does the future look like so what does the next 12 months look like for you in terms for me it is just getting that elbow room back into my day-to-day -day life making sure that I've got a good balance I probably won't be doing the travel that I was doing in 2019 and traveling to lots of amazing places I, I think those days are done and obviously as, as a business we're trying to very purposefully reduce our carbon footprint so we will try not to do the level of travel we were doing before the pandemic so you know just trying to sort of settle into this 
new phase. I'm not going to say new normal because I don't know what that is, but if we're definitely in a new phase. It definitely includes spending some time in an office and some time working from home, which I'm really enjoying that mix. You know, we've still got to roll with the punches. There's still a lot of unknown. We can't completely move out of this sort of very agile mindset as a, as a business, as individuals, as a as a nation, really. We still have to sort of be mindful of the fact that there's still a lot of change to come. That change is in motion. It's not like things have changed and we know where we stand. It's shifting sands and that can be really tiring. I think it can take a lot of energy. So it's just making sure that we're maintaining enough energy to operate in a dynamic, changeable environment, really. I'm really keen to help university students. I think they've had a really horrific time of late with their studies and their job prospects and things like that. So I'll be very focused on that. It's a recovery year for sure. I think people are just dusting themselves down. And I think it's important not to kind of set roaring expectations at the minute. I think we're coming out of, I use this phrase sort of collective trauma. It sounds a bit dramatic. We are still living through a pandemic for which we, we still don't know what the outcome of that will be. But I think in the next 12 months, people will start to look around them and, and, and start to notice some of the, the impacts of that pandemic. Not all of them will be positive or negative, but you know we know we're going to be left with things like a mental health crisis for children and for adults after this. There, there are going to be some very deep impacts of this. So I would say it's it's 12 months of recovery for everybody. And that has to come at a certain pace. That cannot be at breakneck speed. We'll end up on this one. We'll, we'll round it off. Um, what's your future mantra? My future mantra would be, I think it would probably be something like slow it down, be thoughtful, something like that. Just be thoughtful. Don't just race from one thing to the next. Be thoughtful. You know, as I said before, I'm trying to allow more space for that thoughtfulness in running my business. But it, it goes much broader than that. Thinking about how I want to now live my life, having lived through a pandemic. What bits do I want to continue to have? What, what kind of elements of family life have I learned that I completely love that I want to spend more time doing? But I think it would probably be just be thoughtful. Because if you put the thought into it and think deeply about how you want your life and your working life to be, then it's just a case of making a plan to execute it. And surely that's the easy bit. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Joe. Really enjoyed that. It's my pleasure. Brilliant. Thanks so much. This podcast was brought to you by Purpose Made, a strategic change consultancy supporting people and business to navigate the post-pandemic global society. This is what transformational change sounds like. Don't forget to like, share and subscribe and we'll see you again for the next episode. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. 
The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com <laughs> 